the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Pastor Scott Show. Good to be with you today. The number is 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. I'm curious. Did you read it? Good evening. Today, an indictment was unsealed, charging Donald J. Trump with conspiring to defraud the United States, conspiring to disenfranchise voters, and conspiring and attempting to obstruct an official proceeding. The indictment was issued by a grand jury of citizens here in the District of Columbia, and it sets forth the crimes charged in detail. I encourage everyone to read it in full. That was Jack Smith uh, yesterday, prosecutor who has indicted Donald Trump uh, again, uh, this time in Washington, D.C., with four different counts of uh, felonies. And it has to do with conspiracy to defraud the United States, conspiracy to obstruct official proceedings, uh, obstruction and attempt to obstruct an official proceeding, conspiracy against rights. And if you read it, and uh, I agree that people ought to read it. I think just there's a couple of reasons. There is a there's a reason to read it just so that you have that to sort of filter what's being said on the radio or on TV when you watch it. It's super interesting to uh, – sometimes you can tell who didn't read it. You know, Sometimes you can tell this commentator didn't read this thing because they're talking about stuff that it doesn't say. And uh, I find that to be pretty interesting. Um, in fact, uh, with the Florida one, I remember they were talking about these documents that uh, President Trump uh, supposedly was sharing with people that he shouldn't have been sharing them with. And people on TV kept saying, it's about Iran, it's about Iran. And I'm going, I read the thing, the thing talks about that event, but it never says Iran. We don't know what they were, according to the uh, according to uh, the indictment. So where did they get Iran from? Well, they got Iran because uh, it got leaked, you know, in another way. And then eventually, I think that whole tape got leaked. You can listen to it, uh, which is interesting because you don't know if that's even... Uh, the If he was really holding it or not, because just audio, and he says no, right? Anyway... Uh, So I encourage you to read it. You just get a different point of view. But here's something that uh, is on my mind as I go through this, and I'm going through it kind of carefully. I haven't gone through all of it carefully. I have a couple of notes. But this is what I started thinking about last night and this morning, is where do we go from here? You know, in the situation that has been going on for a while now in our country, where I think regardless of where you are, I think most of us have an opinion about these things and, you know, maybe it's not as big a deal, I think, in some of our our minds as the the media would make it, meaning that uh, somewhere, I think, on MSNBC today, they were comparing January 6th and Trump's involvement to uh, 9-11 and to Pearl Harbor. Um, I think that's crazy. Um, I do think that we have... A, a problem that's been brewing for a long time where we have a lack of trust 
in our elections, and it's not just 2020. It is something that's been going on for a long time. You know, 2016 is not the same, but remember, there were uh, accusations of Russian collusion. There were protests. There were people uh, urging the electors to to not vote for Donald Trump when the Electoral College was gathering. And there's, you know, to this day, there are people who are saying that 2016 was that Donald Trump didn't win that election, that it's he's not legitimate. And there are tons of people saying that there was no riot at the Capitol. Um, and before that, you have, uh, in fact, uh, R.F. Kennedy Jr., who's running for president as a Democrat right now, he believes, and there's other people who believe, that George W. Bush stole 2004. And it's a lot of the, those are a lot of the same arguments, that the voting machines were rigged and a whole bunch of stuff in the state of Ohio in particular is where they focus on that. And there's, there's no basis for any of that, but there's a lot of people who think that. Um, and then, of course, 2000, you had just the chaos because of what happened in Florida. And it's undermining a lot of it. I think that a lot of what, and this is an opinion I have. Tell me if you, you can tell me if you disagree or agree. 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. What this indictment about Donald Trump is attempting to do is say that Donald Trump deliberately lied about um, the election being stolen, meaning that he he believed what he was saying wasn't true. That's the argument. The argument is he believed that the from the outset that the election was not stolen, and then he worked together with uh, a bunch of unnamed co-conspiracy people, but it's Rudy Giuliani, and uh, it is a couple other lawyers that were you know on TV all the time back then. Um, it's not hard to figure out who those people are. Um, and that they concocted a plan knowing that the election was not stolen. They wanted to convince the people of this anyway. And and that's the hard part, I think, that people are going to have with reading this, is that how do you prove that Donald Trump didn't believe the stuff that he's saying, you know, even if he's wrong? You know, personally, I think Donald Trump believes it. I think even if he says something different tomorrow than he says today, I think he believed it yesterday and he believes what he's saying today. That's my impression of him. And, uh, you know, that's what the jury is going to have to decide in something like this. The the whole case is about whether or not Donald Trump believed what he was saying. And it builds a case about why he shouldn't have believed that. And all these people who said none of this is true and there was, you know, evidence promised, but no evidence was delivered in a whole lot of ways. I mean, at one point, Rudy Giuliani is quoted as saying, uh, uh, we don't have any evidence. We just have a lot of theories. And uh, that might be true. That doesn't mean those theories are all wrong, but uh, it, it doesn't. It, none of that worked in court. You can't just go into court and say this looks fishy to me. You have to go in and say here's here's the names. You can't say thirty thousand dead people voted unless you can provide thirty thousand names who voted and uh, uh, here's their names and they're dead. In fact, uh, then you have evidence. Then you got something, right? You got to be able to do that, and they couldn't do that. Um, but. Here's a here's a I found I listen to a lot of people saying there's obviously there's there's politics that's so thick, you know, and people defending their side and people worried about one thing or another. And I get it. Uh, There's one attorney that I listened to and she was actually on CNN. Her name is Katie Jerkaski. And she said this and it kind of sums up some of what I think about it. Is there something missing in the indictment that you think should have been there that is not there? 
Well, I think a lot of people are probably surprised that there was not a charge directly related to the insurrection and to the inciting of violence on that day. But I think big picture here, we would really be remiss to not talk about the jurisdiction of this case from a criminal prosecutorial standpoint. So there's been a lot of discussion about the facts, and and I think that Donald Trump obviously has some defenses that he's going to raise First Amendment-wise, attorney-client privilege-wise. But ultimately, this case is unprecedented in terms of the constitutionality of it. And I think that is something that is really going to be potentially a showstopper. So while his conduct may be very well condemnable, the idea of a criminal prosecution here, I think, is is very tenuous. So she said a couple of things there that are what I thought when I read it. The first thing I was looking for was some kind of charge of insurrection, because it's been my opinion that what is desired is a conviction of insurrection, which would make it uh, unconstitutional for Donald Trump to run for president because of the 14th Amendment says you can't run for president if you are guilty of insurrection. Um, and that's not in there. And I, that did surprise me. I'm not saying that I think it ought to be. I'm, I'm surprised that it's not there. But I think it's not there because of what she says in the second part, that you have to prove. Like what I – there's – you know, the whole insurrection thing is – in my mind, it's never been really a good argument anyway because these people didn't show up with a bunch of weapons. And even if they did, even if they came in and took over the building and they they did a whole bunch of terrible things, it doesn't change the government. It doesn't change the Constitution. It's not going to be like what we hear about in some of these other countries where all of a sudden a bunch of people come in and they take over the government capital and then there's a coup and somebody else is president and suddenly all these people run the army. Like that wasn't even on the table. And even if, you know, what we know to be true is that President Trump uh, believed that uh, Vice President Pence had the authority to reject uh, the electors and send it back to the states or count. Uh, there's a whole other issue of uh, other electors that were sent to him. Even if Pence did that, it still would have gone to the courts and the courts would have decided, you know, I think – uh, they would not have supported that. There's nothing that says that one man has the ability to do that, any person. Um, but the the interesting thing here is, to me, is that the whole thing is based upon Donald Trump's state of mind with all of this. Now, this is legal. And like this attorney said, you might think all of it is condemnable and all of this. I think that whole day was terrible. I think that everything that led up to that day was terrible. I also think, by the way, that this what led up to that day was not just 2020. I think it was 2016. I think it was 2004. I think it's been years and years and years of people in Congress and both parties have done it who challenge the you know election and who have been saying that the electors aren't right. I mean, this has been building. It just gets worse and worse and worse. And, you know, I'm going to let Katie uh, – Cherkasky share a little bit more. She's an attorney who is a former federal prosecutor on CNN, and this is what she had to say. For those of us like myself who are, who are not lawyers, in layman's terms, where does the you can't shout fire in a crowded movie theater kind of thing, where, where does it reach the point where your, your speech is limited by the potential effects, like, like the special counsel is arguing here, in effect, that those lies help drive the violence? Well, there are certain categories of speech that are actually criminalized um, 
even with our broad free speech rights. And there are only certain things that, that kind of cross that line. Here, we're talking about not only an executive discussing matters of election regularity, which arguably falls within his authority, at least that's what Trump's defense team is going to allege here, I would imagine. But we're also talking about an intent that has to be proven. And again, there's a lot of attorneys involved. There's a lot of advice that's being given. And there is a lot of potential genuine intent um, on the part of Je Donald Trump to genuinely look into something, even though the allegations are that he, quote unquote, knew that it was false, that is something yeah. that the prosecution has to prove. And that is not necessarily an easy task, again, in a criminal forum. Now, in, in the court of public opinion, I think a lot of people have very strong opinions about the condemnable nature of this mm -hmm. conduct. But when we're looking at actual statutes and evidence that needs to be put forth, I think that it's a very weak case in many respects. And that's what I'm agreeing with at this point. And it's one thing to say, hey, that was a terrible day and decisions should have been made differently and Donald Trump should have done this or should have not done this. All of that is reasonable to talk about. But when you're talking about should this person uh, go to prison for the rest of their life because they made the wrong choice or because they were misinformed or because they chose to ignore advice or because they just emotionally couldn't handle it, whatever you want to say, whatever bad thing you want to say about it. You know, it is very difficult to get into the head of somebody else, and we have to be careful about doing that because you don't want somebody one day judging you because of what they think was in your head about something that you believed you were doing the right thing, but it turned out you weren't, or you believed you were doing the right thing, but you couldn't really prove it even if you were. See what I'm saying is that there's a, there's a big problem when we're going to say to a president or to anybody – that you're not allowed to have your own opinions about things or be wrong, that you're going to be prosecuted if your belief is wrong, or you're going to be prosecuted. So in, in the indictment, there's a lot in it where over and over again, President Trump is told by his own people, by Republicans, by supporters, by lots of people, almost everybody says these accusations you're making are either false or they can't be proven. So even if they're true, you, there's no evidence. There's nothing you can present in court. You've got to stop. So that was happening over and over again, and that's well documented. But, you know, does a person have the right to reject that? Not saying they whether they should or not, but does a president have the right to reject uh, advice? And in this case, he did have a couple of attorneys telling him the opposite. So, you know, he went into this with at least some legal advice, even if they're crackpot attorneys, with some legal advice saying that this is something that's doable under the law or it's something that might be doable. One of them said the whole vice president thing maybe has a 10% chance of success. Well, I think if you're Donald Trump, you say 10% is good enough for me. And I don't think that part should be illegal, right? He listened to his counsel. He rejected a lot of other counsel, but he listened to that counsel, and that was the decision he made. And I'm not trying to defend his behavior. I want people to, to understand that. There is something much bigger in all of this. It's future presidents. It is the way we conduct the law in our country. It is how people feel about the elections in general. Because a lot of you, when you call our show, and the number is 888 and this comes up, you know, when it's time to vote. I'm amazed at how many people will say, I don't vote anymore. And sometimes you say that because you're in California and you feel like the way you're voting is not going to be the winning side. So you've sort of uh, not voted. You know, I've written in names of people and things I know my vote doesn't, it counts, but it's just to be silly. 
But there are so many people, and I think, who have just decided that it's not worth voting. And I think that's the problem. So when I ask, where do we go from here? I think that the answer is, we need to come together, and we need our leaders to do this, and I think we as citizens need to demand this, to come together and make our voting system something that is very difficult to question. Because while some of the things that were questioned are, you know, things that probably should not have been questioned, there's not some guy in Venezuela or Italy, there's a whole bunch of crazy stuff, right? Um, But should we question the validity of um, the mailed ballots and the signature matching on those ballots? I say we should. There's a guy in Lodi, Lodi City Council this year who was arrested because he was caught with uh, many things in voter fraud. This is one guy. He had 42. He had a stack of ballots, like 90 ballots in his house. He had 42 people registered at his address. And what he was doing was gathering ballots and going around in particularly communities of people who don't speak English and saying, uh, you need to vote. Here's how you need to vote. I'm going to fill this out and vote for you. And registering people to vote at his own address. And who knows how many times that guy voted. And this is just one guy. See, and the, the reason he can do that is because everybody's mailed a ballot now. Uh, and I don't know, you know, somehow he did it. The, you know, the scary part of this that's being investigated is some of those people weren't mailed a ballot. So how did he get that ballot? You know, he went through this whole process to vote and ultimately he voted for himself, you know, and all these things. This is just one guy. And this is not hard to figure out how this could happen. This is not hard to figure out. You know, something I, that somebody said about 2020, and I don't want to relitigate all of this stuff. I'm, I'm worried about 2024 and future elections. Well, what somebody said is the most secure election of all time. No, it's not. Not when you have millions and millions of mailed ballots where it's impossible to check all the signatures on there in a timely fashion. You, you can't. And if you can't, let's say I go fill out a thousand ballots personally and I vote for a thousand people. I could do that over the course of a couple of months uh, or the month that people have that ballot. Um, they're going to check the signatures. But how many are they going to check? What happens if they figure out that 200 of them are fraudulent? Well, then 800 still get through, right? That's, that is our system right now. I don't buy it at all. Uh, 888-528-2557. Where do we go from here? See, I think that what we need to do is we have to get back to something that we were doing 20 years ago. And 20 years ago, Democrats and Republicans agreed. This was after the 2000 election and everything that came out of that. You know, one of the scary things that came out of the... 2000 election and what happened in Florida was because it was so close and they were doing a recount is people were assigned to look at the ballots and try to determine the voters intent. And the reason everything got messed up there is because there was something arbitrary about that. How do you know that this you used to, in those ballots, you'd punch a hole through it, right? It was, and then the back of it, the piece of paper that would come out was a chad. So it was called, and we all got used to the phrase hanging chad. And they came up with rules about how to count the vote if there's a hanging chad. Do you count it if there's just an indent, but it doesn't go through? Do you count it if one corner is busted through, but not the other three? Do you count it if there's two corners or three quarters? How do you count it? And there were... No, there was no consistency throughout the 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 uh, state, and suddenly you have bureaucrats 
and government officials and politicians. And I was involved in Riverside County a few years before that in a recount where it was exactly the same thing. And we were going through the ballots. I represented one candidate, and then the other our opponent had his representative. And then there was an election official who would hold up the ballot, and then we would either we would challenge it. And the reason we would challenge it was stupid. You know, that doesn't look legit to me. We didn't have to have a real reason other than there was a, a stray mark of the pen or the chad wasn't pushed through all the way. And there, but it was all arbitrary. And so pretty soon what you're doing is you're you're disenfranchising those votes or you're even potentially changing those votes one way or another from what the actual voter intended. And today we have a system where millions of people have ballots that are mailed to them where they fill them out at home. And there's just multiple problems with that. So after the 2000 election, there was a a um, legislation, Help America Vote Act is what it was called, and they passed a summary of recommendations for what to do. You want to you want to know why uh, you have the real ID and that uh, painful thing that you got to do at the DMV uh, to go get your real ID so you can fly and do other stuff. That came out of this. And it came out of this because in 2002, Democrats and Republicans agreed that every voter should have a a proper government ID in order to vote. Both sides agreed with that. Did you know that? You know, some of the accusations in this uh, indictment are that Trump's people were saying, oh, you know, 30,000 illegal aliens voted. And the thing is, is that they didn't have names. They didn't have votes. There was no proof of that at all. But there's also a lot of people believe, whether it's true or not, a lot of people believe that happens. And what we were seeing in this one guy in Lodi is he's creating votes for a whole lot of people. And it's because there there's no voter ID. It's because there is no oversight of how this happens. In fact, that guy is in trouble for threatening people over this and threatening their status in the United States and other stuff. I mean, it's it's pretty bad. How often is that going on? See, I think moving forward from here, we need to go back and say, what kinds of things do regular people, 80, 90 percent of us agree, should be part of the voting process in our country? Because otherwise, I think that whoever loses in 2024 is probably going to say it was stolen. And then maybe in 2028, it's stolen. And that's been going on for years and escalating in its danger. I think this is a big deal. What do you think? 888-528-2557. Craig and others, I'll get to your calls as the Wednesday edition of the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Constitutionally speaking, there's never been an attempt to try a former president for acts that were committed while in office. And the argument is that impeachment would be the only remedy. Here, there was a failed impeachment. And I think ultimately the Supreme Court will have to delineate the line that is crossed where a president is actually acting outside the scope of their executive authority, which is is quite broad, especially when it comes to matters of ensuring that the laws are faithfully executed and things of that sort. So that's a constitutional kind of analysis of that that I think is not being discussed quite as much as the underlying facts. If you had another defendant who wasn't uh, the former president with these same facts and evidence, it could be a much stronger case, certainly. But I think you have to get over that jurisdictional bar, which is something that the prosecutors, I'm sure, have analyzed. But it's going to be a strong uh, defense 
yeah. on Trump's side, certainly. That was Katie Cherkasky on CNN discussing uh, another thing that is significant about this case and this indictment. The number is 888-528-2557 if you want to call and join in. What I'm asking is where do we go from here as a nation to pull us back from – you know, I think one election after another, if you look at it, is getting worse with people's trust in the system. Uh, she's talking about the accusations about what Trump did. It, the first assumption is that he believed everything he was doing was wrong, that he was just lying. And that's going to be hard to prove because most people, I think, think that he that at least Trump believed it, even if everybody was telling him it wasn't true, that if he believes it personally – then, you know, it's it's he's acting on what he thinks is right. That's just that's just how that goes. And then what she's pointing out here is if he's the president and he is the remedy for presidents who do wrong while in office is impeachment and then a trial in the Senate. And that happened. He was impeached. There was a trial in the Senate. He got acquitted. And so one of the things that's going to come up on this particular issue is, is there a civil court remedy for somebody acting as a president. And it's going to come down to, was he acting in his own mind? Not your opinion or my opinion or anybody else's opinion, but in his own mind, was he acting in, in uh, with respect to his own job as president, as somebody who's supposed to protect the laws? Even if he got it all wrong, even if it's all backwards, since he was the president, if that's part of his presidential duties, then the legal remedy is impeachment. It's, it might be hard to make a case um, otherwise, and, and lots of people I'm hearing are saying, I'll probably get convicted in uh, Washington, D.C. because it's Washington, and uh, it might be upheld by the circuit court out there, but the Supremes will toss it out. And that's kind of where I land on it so far, is that, uh, and part of it is this impeachment thing, that unless they say he was acting outside of his duties, and they could maybe argue that as a candidate, uh, but it's going to be tough. It's going to be a tough argument. 888 888- Five two eight two five five seven is the number. Let's go to Craig in Griffith Park. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hey, how you doing? I got three points I'd like to make. The first one: the last time I went to get my driver's license renewed, there was a big, huge push to make sure that you are who you are and you're living in the state of California. When you walk into the screen, to... oh, I lost you there. Are you there? Farm it is for yeah. Oh, I'm can here. Can go you hear back. me? Uh, what I got was uh, I lost you at. Uh, you walked into the driver to the DMV, and there's a big push for you to prove who you are. Right. But once you leave the desk where you're proving who you are, you go into your computer input screen. At that point, uh, you're completely. You're complete. I'm sorry, I lost you one more time. You're com- that's... Hello? Yeah. If you, if you say that you are a legal voter, even though you are an illegal. Uh, there's nothing, there's no checks and balances, there's, there's nobody checking to see that, yes, your passport and all the information you showed. Oh, yeah, or well, you register with the DMV, are. yeah. Yeah, so yeah. there's nothing there to show that you really are a legal voter once you walk into the screen to input your information. So I, and, and so we've had people that have been convicted for having made that determination. I have to believe that there's a lot of illegals who are willing to come into the country illegal are certainly willing to say, yes, I am a legal voter at that point. Because there's no, there's nothing against in our state of California that's gonna, that's gonna really come down on you. If you're letting people who are burglars and other problems that we have away, you have to believe that there's nobody's gonna be enforcing that requirement yeah. against you. So I, I think there's a complete 
huge amount of people that are saying they're legal when they're not. Okay. And then my second point that I'd like to make is, you know, when you have somebody watching the election in Philadelphia on the TV screen and you see people putting in the same vote three or four times, you have to, at that point, think, hey, something's not right here. Even if it was later on proven that, yes, there was a problem with machine, and yes, you had to input the thing three times, it gives the appearance that it's certainly not correct, and especially when you're doing it after hours, sending the uh, voter uh, um, observers home and then starting to re-vote again and taking out uh, bins that are underneath the table hidden from view from the previous uh, people who were there mm-hmm. earlier and putting those in. And then when you see 200,000 votes come in in the middle of the night, only one direction, there's certainly a certain amount of suspicion that a reasonable person might accrue. Uh, when you have a post office person who says, yes, I saw them load these ballots from New York, and I drove a truck down to Philadelphia and left it a lot, and you have to believe that person's telling you the truth. So there's a lot of evidence that would allow somebody to think, hey, there might be a problem. And whether there is a problem or not, there's certainly the suspicion of that. Yeah. And I think a reasonable person could rely upon what they think was occurring. See, when I you think... have the head of Philadelphia who comes out and says, oh, don't worry about it. We have the votes. Not that we have, uh, <laughs> we actually said we have the ballots, not that we have the votes. We actually have the ballots. And you have Truth Veritas showing that these people are collecting the ballots and having a ballot party and marking the ballots in somebody's backyard and have that on tape. I think there's a certain reasonable suspicion that there might have been a problem. See, and what I, uh, I'm, where I'm coming from is that the fact that this is possible, whether it's happening or not, is part of the problem, right? Because anybody who loses can make claims, whether they're right or wrong, about, say, illegals voting. or And, and that's part of the – if we're not solving that. And that's what the uh, the thing that was 20 years ago – the Help America Vote Act was about, and it has in this document, and Craig, I appreciate your call and your points. You know, it has in this document, each one of these things that you're talking about, one of them is making sure that people have a valid ID, and there's a whole lot. And remember, this is this is Republicans and Democrats together who put this together on a commission that was set up after the 2000 election. Everybody agreed that voter ID was necessary. Uh, I think before the break, I said that the real ID was part of it. The real ID was part of this. Real ID came out of also the terrorist attack, and we need to have better ID to get on planes. But they attached into that that the reason for the real ID, that you go into the DMV and you make sure you are who you say you are, is also for voting. And I, I stress that Democrats and Republicans came up with this. See, here's the thing. Everybody in the United States who votes should be able to – this is what I think. you got to show your ID, your government issue ID. And if you don't have it for some reason, somebody called once when we were talking about this and said that uh, she had lost her license before the voting. The thing is, is that every single election, uh, every place you go vote in our country has provisional ballots, which is the ballot that if there's some kind of dispute about your address or your identity, you still get to vote. You're not disenfranchised. You get to vote. You sign it under the penalty of perjury that I am who I say I am, and then they go back and they check that before they count your vote. So nobody's vote is not counted just because you don't have an ID. That's It's a false statement to say that somehow that restricts people from having ID. Like there's all these people out in our country who just don't have an ID. Uh, there are people who don't, but you can still vote on the provisional ballot. There's a way to do this that preserves the integrity of it, and the people, Democrats and Republicans, 
in a document called Building Confidence in U.S. Elections, this is actually 2005, says all of that. And it talks about how incredibly important the ID is and how to do it. It also talks about machine voting, which was becoming new, computerized voting, and how it's so important to have a paper trail anyway. And a whole lot of stuff. You can Google this. It's called Building Confidence in U.S. Elections. And I'll email it to you if you want, Pastor Scott at KKLA.com. And that also goes to, you know, what you're talking about and what people were observing or questioning about the 2020 election and what people saw on TV, whether they're right or wrong. See, I think the problem is the fact that it's just there and it's very the answers that came back were not very assuring uh, to people who think that. Right. I mean, it's a problem either way. Either illegals are voting in large numbers or they're not. But the fact that people think they are, it's a problem if they are. And it's also a problem that people think they are when it comes to the integrity of our system. See, and I think this is where as citizens, we need to move forward. I think that we need to say, hey, the way we're doing elections is creating opportunity for people to question the validity of them, whether that questioning is is legitimate or not or reasonable or not it almost doesn't matter in the sense that if if there's reasonable reason to wonder about this and you can't really prove it it's a huge problem and i think we know it uh david in la welcome to the pastor scott show david you with me all right david i'm going to come back to you ted city of angels welcome to the pastor scott show yes sir pastor scott ted city of the angels correct I uh, just wanted to, I had to share because I care. I went into the DMV a week ago in Santa Monica and uh, went through the computer system first time. I had my fingerprint first time uh, on a computer. Um, and uh, I'm from, you know, a while back where you did an actual fingerprint. And then I went to the, the computer system and it came up, came up registered uh, to vote. And so they want to get you at the same time when I'm reapplying. So I just went through it in, in, anyways, you know, just to do it. And then I asked the lady, I said, uh, why does it say that my count, my vote won't count if I don't choose Republican or Democrat? Yeah, it, it was forcing you to pick one of those two options, but you couldn't pick independent or some other party? Yeah. Yeah. It's Oh, you could. You could. But it said that if you choose this box, your vote may not count. <laughs> that's what it said at the DMV? That's the, the DMV in Santa Monica, California. You didn't happen to get like a, a picture of that, did you? No, I didn't take a picture of it. But uh, I was just like, are you kidding me? So I just went ahead and checked Republican, even though I'm a registered Republican my whole life. You know, I'm not, I'm not hiding from anybody. If You know, I'm not I'm not afraid. But it, it wouldn't let you if you wanted to be something else. Uh, the yeah, Pastor Scott Show to- party, you couldn't do that. No, yeah. it, it said uh, non-product, what is it, non-product, whatever it is. Non-partisan. Non- whatever. Non-partisan. Yeah, non-partisan. Yeah. yeah. All right, that's interesting, but, Ted. I mean, it is the DMV, and, uh, you know, however they handle documents is uh, <laughs> always questionable, I think, uh, somewhat anyway. Ted, i got to go to a break. Appreciate your call. This is the Pastor Scott Show. Number is 888-528-2557. Uh, David and others, I'll get to your calls as the Wednesday edition of the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. 
We have got to do something to neutralize Trump. This is not acceptable. This is not America. I stand here because we must do everything in our power. We have a limited time to make sure Donald Trump and his dark cabal never get into the White House. That was some uh, protesting that was after the 2016 election where people were pressuring uh, electors to not vote for Donald Trump after the election. Thousands sent letters and death threats and tried to bribe. It was kind of crazy. And, uh, you know, that was something that was significant. And the reason, if you watch that video, they're carrying signs. And you know what the biggest gripe is about Donald Trump is that he he won because of the Russians, that the Russians cheated, that he cheated, that it was a false election, that he's not a le- legitimate. You know, and, and when you think about this over the, the course of history, you know, I'm developing an opinion that even what happened on uh, January 6th, uh, is not something that just suddenly happened. It wasn't that people decided to riot and uh, they were okay a couple of days before and then they were just that election. I think it's been building and tensions have been building in our country for a long time. When you go look back at 2016 and the objections, the accusations of Russian interference, which ultimately led to a special prosecutor and that three-year-long Mueller investigation – None of that was true. It was all made up. There are lots of people who believed it to be true. But in a similar way, uh, people like Adam Schiff kept promising all this uh, data and all of this evidence, and it never arrived. Like in 2020, you know, they were going to release the Kraken. Remember that? Sidney uh, uh, Powell. She's one of the people who is the co-conspirators in the uh, uh, indictment yesterday. She was going to release the Kraken of all of the uh, proof. But that Kraken never got out of the cage, you know. Um, We've been doing this for a while. And my argument is moving forward, you got to, you know, deal with the court cases and all of that. But as citizens, I think that there are things that we need to do. In fact, there's already been studies, bipartisan studies done on what to do to secure our election system. And I think that we need to bring that back and get that done so that in 2024 and then in 2028, Whoever wins and loses, if they decide that they think it was unfair or that there was cheating or other stuff, you know, it needs to be there needs to be a a way to discern very quickly whether there's any truth to it. Because if you just leave things open, like we had a call a few minutes ago, uh, a lot of things are are out there. And, you know, reasonable people can say that's that's funny to me. That seems odd. Right. And you have to make reasonable people think there's always going to be people who think something's wrong. But reasonable people, I think, and I think most people are reasonable, can discern uh, whether or not something seems legitimate or not. And in order to do that, you've got to protect things. You know, voter ID is one of them. You, you've got to have voter ID that that would save us a lot of headache, I think. 888-528-2557 is the number. By the way, the Democrats agreed with that in uh 2005. David in L.A., welcome to Pastor Scott Show. David? All right, we lost David. Let's go to William in Fullerton. William, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hi, Pastor Scott. Hi, William. How, How are, are you? you today? I'm good. How are you today? I'm, I'm as good as I can be, with, especially with this topic. Yeah. And your, your previous caller that, that uh, went into the DMV in Santa Monica only to find out that they're, that somehow the DMV shouldn't even be involved in 
automatically signing up people to vote in the first place. That's questionable. But the way that they phrase that question is, well, your vote might not count. Yeah, there must be something to that, right? But it's it's obviously confusing, whatever it said. Yeah. Plus the plus the fact that that I've got reams and reams and reams of evidence of vote fraud stored in my computer, reams of it across multiple states. And Judicial Watch has filed several lawsuits against several states and one uh, demanding that they clean up their voter rolls of dead people and people who are voting in two different places. That's number two. Number three, I grew up in the city that invented the cemetery vote. So when somebody walks up to me and says, oh, there's no such thing as vote fraud, uh, I got news for them. I'm I'm an eyewitness to it. Yeah. So... You know, there, and there you go. I think that I think William. Thank you for your call, William. I think one of the things that is there is that if you Google that, I think Heritage Foundation actually keeps a list. You know, if you're looking for you know a more established organization, you got to be careful of just anybody's website or whatever. It's people who literally make stuff up. But the Heritage Foundation has a site where you can link to the news story. Right, you can see it. You know, I think that the most interesting one to me that's current is in is in Lodi in uh, California where uh, a man named Shakir Khan, is his name, and who's on the Lodi City Council, he got arrested on election fraud charges. And the things that he was doing, not only did he have a bunch of ballots at his home, like 41, I'm reading this article, I read somewhere else it was 90. This one I'm reading, 41 ballots at his home. Investigators also say he registered 23 people to vote at his home and that his email and number were used to register 47 others. Uh, body camera footage showed voters telling detectives how Khan allegedly pressured them to vote for him and how he allegedly falsified voter information and falsified registration documents. And one of the things that you discover if you get into this is that's not hard to do. And this is one guy who happened to get caught. But how many people are doing that? See, you have to eliminate the, the entire ability to do that. You need to find a way to make sure that people can legitimately be registered to vote. It seems to me that ought to be simple, but you can't do it in the way that we're doing it now, where we just mail out tons of ballots, where this guy's collecting ballots that aren't even filled out. He's doing it himself. How many people are doing that? I think a lot. And you can't legitimately check signatures like they say they're doing on millions of ballots. That would take months to do that. Uh, Mimi in L.A., welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hi. Hi, Mimi. Um, I. Hello? Hi, go ahead. Yeah, I was. I want to call and just say um, about Trump. He, um, to me, he he needs to really be um, um, be punished for his crimes that he has done. That man is a criminal, and he needs uh, to be uh, um, put away, just like anybody else as a president uh, would have to deal with all the crimes that he he did. That he did. Well, he's he being accused be of a bunch of crimes. He's going to have his uh, trials. It'll be interesting to see where that goes. But what happens if some of the things he's accused of he didn't actually do? Or what if it's not a crime, it's just bad judgment? But, you know, if it, it, if it was bad judgment, it would not have been to the courthouse. It would not have been to the courthouse. And, and he, Trump, has said out of his own mouth, he has incriminated himself out of his own mouth 
like about the um the Russian. He had the Russians to tap into um the elections, the U.S. elections, no, and you know, he, the, that's he, how he won. You know, there are three different. No, no, no. Hold on, hold on, Mimi. I'm not trying to defend everything that Donald Trump's doing. Okay, but on the Russian thing, three different government investigations that were all against him said that he didn't do it. Did you know that? You can go read them. Three different ones, including the Mueller report, that it said that there was no Russian collusion. It made it very clear. And they, they were trying to get that. You know, some of the things. And that's why he got that's you know, why he got impeached the first time by no, the Democrats. No, he got impeached because uh, he was trying to get information on President Biden in a phone call with the president of Ukraine, uh, Zelensky, and part of the same thing mm-hmm. that Biden's being accused of today. Uh, that's why he got impeached the first time. He didn't get impeached over the Russia thing because the report came back and said he didn't do it. Yeah, but you know, but that's what we have courts but, for, but right? He, is the courts in the courts? You know, you have to say innocent until proven guilty, and if he's guilty of stuff, then you know, I think it's fair to say no one's above the law. But you got to take a look at what's happening. That's right why now I, he, I encourage people to actually read the uh, indictment and, uh, right. and then to think about it because it's pretty interesting. Uh, some of the stuff. I'm almost out of time, Mimi. I appreciate your call on there. And, you know, and that's that's something that is, you know, there's a lot of people today who still believe he's guilty over the Russia thing, for example. And uh, that whole thing was made up. And I'm not saying that as somebody who just defends anybody. I'll defend if it turns out that Biden didn't take any bribes from Ukraine or any of those countries. I'm going to defend him for that, too. That's we want to have the truth. And we are in so we're so politically divided that we are in a place where people will drop something out there as truth against their opponent, and then our side, whatever side we're on, we just believe it. And we're at a time where we got to stop doing that as citizens. We have to say, well, maybe I'll I'll believe it when I see the evidence, and uh, that's a big deal. In the meantime, you know, where do we go from here? Check it out: uh, the Help America Vote Act and the documents that they put out, Republicans and Democrats. I think we need to insist on fixing our voting system. We've got to do it now. whole lot of things to talk about, but we're out of time for today. We're on every day from 3 to 5. You get the podcast at kkla.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, I'm Pastor Scott Furrow. I'll see you tomorrow on the Pastor Scott Show from 3 to 5. Good night. God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.